to the shores of the Baltic Sea. The teeth of time have stored the rhyme of how they should be. My cave, my house, my turning wheel, my little docking pup. The march of Colonel Forbin and his female called McGruff. Hello listeners, you are joining us for Gotta Brew, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things, fish and beer. I am the Lizza. I'm the kid. He faded out right before my favorite part of that song. Looks too much like Dave. Is that the lyrics or I just made that up? No, he looks too much like Dave. Yeah. He looks too much like Dave. Right. He looks too much. Like Dave. He looks too much. Cool. So, so th- that was. Can we just talk about what that song was? Oh, you want to say the title? Yeah, just really quickly. Yeah, just say it. We don't. We don't do that bit anymore, really. Yeah. The guessing thing. We'll do it later. McGrupp and the Watchful Hosemaster. Yes. From Prague. July fifth, nineteen ninety eight. Word. That is it. Where Where did that song fall in that show? Uh, it is in the second set. It is the third song in the second set. Okay. Sounds good. Just curious. Cool. So fish topics. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, (laughs) review a little, uh, episode that we made the other night. Um, we called it, uh, got a Jabru after dark, AKA, uh, we all got really drunk. Uh, but before we do that and, uh, start off our fish segments we have a new segment for everybody oh yes yay and in this segment uh, j3po our producer is going to go for a one minute long rant as to his qualms with our previous episode are you gonna be timing this yes j3po is the most knowledgeable person i know about fish and you know he he gets to text us these these feedbacks after each episode but we think it's hilarious um, for him to just, you know, we'll give him 30 seconds or I'm sorry, a minute, a minute. It's a, a minute. minute. Yeah. I want to cut him yeah. short. Sorry. Sorry. And we can see how much stuff he can squeeze into a minute from our previous episode. So I am setting the timer. Give me one second. All right. All right. J3PO, you've got one minute in three, two, one, go. All right. Hey, everybody. It's J3PO. Thanks for giving me my minute. Want to talk about last week. Loose format. Is that code for no knowledge? Grateful Dead. Similar culture? Or is it just original culture? Fish appropriated everything from them. Has a person that's gotten a miracle ever been properly dressed? Do you see a guy in a suit and tie getting a miracle out of any show ever? At 10 minutes in, you can hear I'm starting to get sick. Kid, holographics is not the word you're looking for. By the way, while I'm at it, Bittersweet Motel, do you actually remember anything from that movie? (laughs) 
2014 ticket prices were $51. When the kid says, I think I've told this story before means we've all heard it a hundred times. Can I get a big woo for Ric Flair and another woo for drugs? Liz said she had an addendum last week. Ten seconds. get back to it this week. Beer, kid, never read a label again. Thank you. Under. Damn, you got three seconds. (laughs) All right, there it goes. There goes the timer. That was awesome. Um, I do remember you paid us. <laughs> and, and I remember and where Trey is gun shopping. Or whip shopping? <laughs> no, or gun shopping. Well, he's gun he's shopping. Going but for the, he, he's buying a whip, whip, but they're trying to sell him on these guns. And yeah. Kiss my ass, you fucking <laughs> Yeah, kiss my ass, you fucking tools. The other part I remember. Um, yeah, cool. So on to our, our first, I guess technically our second segment, uh, we are going to re-listen to a part of this After Dark Probably never going to post it because we were all wasted, and it was a really fun experience. Um, I think we got into some interesting topics, and what we talk about in the first minute, probably the most sober we all are during this recording, um, is the most interesting. Uh, to uh, set it up just slightly, we were talking about how to tell the difference between 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. So I'm just going to play that right now. It's from Fit. <laughs> What's our got a jabru after dark? So guessing, uh, <laughs> guessing dates is easy. Uh, you can break it up into not to me. You can break it up into Paige's keyboard setup. So if there's no baby grand piano or grand piano, it's before 1993. If there's an actual piano, and you can tell the difference between this fake piano we're listening to right here and actual grand piano you can you totally guys, tell totally tell the difference you guys are fucking nerds dude i don't like notice <laughs> that shit. it's like an art <laughs> all right i'm gonna stop it right there um, oh i was a lot more drunk than i remember <laughs> never mind <laughs> so contest anything so we went into I, I where it goes from there is that you you call us fucking nerds um, and you're Sweet. basically saying that you can't understand how we can decipher the difference yeah i uh, it, yes i other than looking at Paige's setup, I, I I was asking you to explain to me how a novice listener could detect what you guys were can obviously just hear. Right. So and I you described it in a very awesome and succinct way. Well, I tried Probably describing. Not. I was gonna say I started. No, you, off, he actually did. <laughs> I started off trying to describe the actual like musical physics of it. So what we were talking about. Um, in the more technical terms, it's called timbre. It's actually spelled like timbre or timber is how I, I read timber it. Timberwolf. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's spelled T-I-M-B-R-E. Yeah. And basically what timbre stands for is the complex ranges of frequency that make up a sound. Hmm. So in the same way that our voices are all unique, our fingerprints are all unique, even instruments have unique timbres. So what we were trying to get you to understand was the easy way to pick out the timing of fish. And what uh, J3PO was just talking about is that before it was, I believe, 93. I think time period would be a better thing to say because yeah, the timing in parts like musical parts or something. But right. Yeah. So before 1993, Paige has a digital piano. And then after 93, he gets a baby grand piano. So there is a... All right. So what point oh are we talking this is all still all 1.0. 1.0. Yeah. He starts out with an electric piano? 
Yes. I mean, think about it from a, from a musician's perspective. They're gigging all over the country. They're in a van driving around. They don't have space to have a hitch for a truck. Okay. To so if, if we were going with. to, if you were going to recommend like a song I could go back and listen to, that would illustrate this very well. The one we were listening to in the background of that episode was, I thought, really great. Uh, which I don't remember what that was. I'm going to turn to J3PO for that one. Um, I don't, don't have to recount uh, what that either. was. Um, Just well, I was tell just me a good any page, any anything, page solo. Yeah. Anything with a good piano solo. So Lizards, that big, long piano solo right. at the end, or even Squirming Coil, okay. where cool, it's cool, just cool, him. Cool. In fact, Squirming yeah. Coil might be the best one because it's True. just him for a while. True. And again, there's... From there, no, 93 or pre-93? So... So you want to hear a pre-93 squirming coil and right. then a post-93 squirming coil. Okay, done. Got it. Yeah, so basically, um, I'm trying he, to... He had an electric setup, and then he switched over to a an baby a, grand. Correct, an actual uh, piano. And now um, he's up to a concert grand? Yeah, full piano. Right. This thing is huge. And I, it, it, you guys did really you know blow my mind when we were doing this the other day right so here listening is, to them back to back you can clearly tell here's a 91 squirming coil that i'm gonna pull in for us this segment is brought to you by ipads <laughs> the wonderful touchscreen and precision All right, so this is a squirming coil from 1991. I'm just going to skip to the end. Skip to the end. Make this a little louder? Yeah. The, the easier parts to hear it, is especially when the piano goes high. Okay. It's just the frequency in a digital piano just doesn't carry the information as well. Think that's enough? You think you got that locked yeah, in a little bit? That's a pretty good example right there. Cool. So now we're gonna skip over and we're gonna go to like the last freaking one that they just They played at Baker's Lizard? Um they must the have. last time they played it was so anyway, describing it to like a five year old. Alright. Describing it to a five year old. So if I So, yeah, you got right. you got the meat and potatoes of this, right? I, okay. Yes, cool. I. So the way I would describe the difference is the weight. Right. That's so what I. That's I guess a really weird way to say it, but I in the second version I can hear the weight. I can hear like the sound the, has the more physical meat. keys. Yeah, it's a lot more robust. And especially again when you go higher on a digital piano, and when you go higher on a real piano, some things start to like expose themselves when you go higher on a real piano you can actually hear the hammer striking the strings right right the it's the physicality of the actual instrument being played 
like the sound that the actual instrument makes as opposed to the notes that's creating. Is that, could you say that? Oh uh, yeah. That? I mean, you can even go deeper than that. Like a digital piano just can't recreate the complexity of the sound. Even like the best, like a, a Nord uh, keyboard, like they've gone through lengths to try to give you the fullest, because most they, realistic sound, but they can't recreate the physical. The physicality. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Like, so when you're playing a guitar, you're playing a G chord, you're playing a G chord and it sounds like a G chord, but the sound of the way you physically hit the strings and the way you hit the body and the way you're whole, like it, there's a physicality and a sound from the physical things being touched and played by the musician. Right. I mean, I would say that even if you go back, God, we're going really back to like 87, 88, if you can hear any of that stuff, I, I, I think you even have to go even farther back to like when they're playing like backyard shows and stuff. There's a couple recordings where Trey doesn't have the Languedoc yet. And his tone is different. The guitar just sounds way different. So gear for, in, for you know, musicians is a huge thing. I mean, that's why, you know, violin players want a really old violin. They want that wood to be like really aged and broken in. It just changes the sound. And Trey very much with a hollow guitar is going for that same thing. He's going for a really good sustain and a really good, his, his whole you know, sound is based around the sustain of his instruments. So can I ask you a question? Yes. Is what you're describing something only a musician's ear is able to detect? No. Cause we got you there. We, we I mean, we, we just there, did right? an exercise. Yeah. Right. That the exercise we just did taught me what you're saying. Right. But I mean more in like a reference of like, you had a really good analogy about tasting an off flavor in a beer. And after you can identify what that flavor is, you can never untaste it. Like it'll always just be there for you. Is it similar? Yes. Once you re recognize this, it's impossible not to going forward. It's like, it's like the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. Once right. you saw behind the curtain, you can't unsee. So it's, it's. So why don't you like Paige more now? I do. Oh, <laughs> okay. He's got like. What is it? Two, four, six. He's got eight at this point. Nine. Because he's got three tiers on the back. Nine keyboards. And each one is very uh, Notes. Uh, unique. Um, I mean, we can fact check that. I'm, I mean, I'm sure someone knows. And we can always go to the uh, website. Pagegear.com, I think is the website. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they break down all their instruments That's and so stuff. That's so cool. Um, but so Paige has this really cool keyboard sound on Meat Stick. And as a keyboard player myself, I was really trying to figure out how to recreate that sound. The one that sounds like an accordion? Uh, yes. A it's very oscillated, the sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, it's unique. And I, with all the three keyboards that I own, tried to re recreate it and I just couldn't. And when so I So how does he make it? It's a very specific keyboard from the 8 or 70s. I think it's like the late 70s. Um, and it's... It's limited, like it's, to buy one now would cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, and yeah. There, and there's no sound that can duplicate that? You can get close. I'm not going to lie. Is that like, why you wanted to play with the Moogs at Guitar Center the other day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, Moog. That, it's pronounced Moog. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I just want to I think it should be Moog, but it's Moog. So I, <laughs> I, always, I always heard people pronounce it Moog. That's how I've always heard people pronounce it. Speaking of, um, it's just, it's, it's very interesting to think of because, you know, 
like there's a website for Paige, there's one for Trey. The pedal board is a huge breakdown in that website. You know, how these guys get their sound. Um, when Mike drops that super fat boom, like it's, it's, yeah, it's like a foot it's organ. A lower register of the organ. Yeah, it's like it, there's so much gear that actually goes into like how they're able to. So again, don't you think this is the most interesting time to see fish? Because they have the most access I'm just, to gear. I'm just, yeah, I'm playing the devil's advocate here. I'm just looking for to spawn a conversation. I mean, I think that's a, a. It's not a full question because they're doing stuff differently now than they were then. So it, it depends on the person. Um, it seems know. to me that they're just dialing in, dialing in, dialing in, dialing in, honing in, kind of. They're very refined, but right. What you're getting with that refinement is what some people would consider maybe a lack of youth and energy in some ways. So for sure there's trade-offs. Yeah. So I would say I really enjoy, uh, again, my go-to years are for some reason, odd numbers, 95, 97, uh, which the other day we did an episode, which made me listen to 96. 96 is also really good. Um, that era of the nineties right there for me is like the sweet spot for me personally. Um, <laughs> J3PO, I think you describe it. It's, it's, I don't think it's 97 yet. I think it's 98 or 99 you were saying. The, the cow... What is it? The cow funk? Cow funk is indeed 90-97. I mean, it's that's the heaviest steeped in funk here. I think the greatest transformation I've ever seen from a band is Fish between 1995 and 1998. The evolution that they took for those three years is something kind of otherworldly in a way. So where, where is that in the pointos? Sorry, I'm one, so bad one with... So okay. 1.0 goes to 2000. Got it. And then... 2.0 is like four years. 03 and 04, it's like not, it's like okay. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, short. And, and then they come back... In 2009. Right, 2009 to, to present. Cool. Copy that. Great. And again, each time... I mean, you can plow through 1.0 and see the evolution of, again, the gear, the sound, the jams... Um, Dude, segment. that's a whole other thing that I haven't even like thought to try to get into yet. Yeah, I so mean that's it, like a whole other project for me at it, some point. It, as a new as new fish fans as we are, that's something that that's a lot of research and it's a lot of music uh, to to kind of plow through. I mean, even if you just listen to songs individually, two hundred and you know ninety something originals plus covers and stuff would take anybody a, a massive amount of time just to get through. That's just getting through their music so yes exactly well that's what i'm saying could you imagine trying to listen to every show that they have recorded which is from like 1987 till now i mean that's a huge endeavor i think one day i will i just don't think that day is coming soon and i think to pick up on the things that you're talking about like the timbre (laughs) of pages keyboards uh, I think I'm gonna have to listen to every show way more than one time to be able to pick up on stuff like well, that you're not gonna and that's what I mean so like eternally it's just like this big project that I'll always I'll always be uncovering things about fish well I don't think you're listening to specific shows you're listening to specific time because you know it takes them yeah, a yeah, while for sure, for to, sure, for sure. to you know Get get the money to get the gear to evolve the sound. I mean, it's the same. But with that their... requires a direct comparison. You right, have to but... compare more modern years to older years. Right, but you're not going to listen to like you just said. You're going to listen to shows, and it's like you would have to listen to shows that are very many years apart. 
So you'd have to listen to a show from like 88, then listen to a show from 93, then listen to a show from 99, and listen to a show like you're I skipping would love a ton to, of can years we do in between. The, are we doing the user comments yet? Uh, this is the I last would, episode with Alex. Okay, so I would love to pose to our listeners, like on the general basis, like wh- where do you go to dive into fish for the day or when you go to listen to fish? Your go-to year is what Not, you're saying. I think that's putting very specific parameters on it. Okay. Um, but I I understand what you're saying because I always go to like yeah, it was ni- 95, 95 and 99. Those oh. are like my years. Um, so yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I, that's for me. That's like my jump. That's, that's my sweet spot. I'm wondering if people have like different jumping off points. If people only listen to their own shows. If they only listen to certain years. Like that's interesting to me. Yeah, J3PO, what do you listen to? What's your... You've listened to all of it. So where do you stick to... Um. I don't listen to fish that much. <laughs> to be honest, I don't believe you. I don't, outside I don't of just, shows, outside yeah, of shows. I mean, I go to as many shows as I can, but outside of shows, I want to say that in some ways, you guys have it. In this is the only aspect in your fish fandom that you actually, I think, maybe have it harder than us old schooler people. So you have instant access to all the shows and all that, but there's a way lot more. And as a one point over, I'm doing the same thing you guys did, but all I had to do was go back and listen to you know. 88 through 93 to get caught up to where I was. Right. And right, right. I was in high school and had no life. I didn't have a job or whatever. So, so you like, did the deep dive. Yeah. You had the time to do the deep dive. Yeah. I was, Got know. it. I listen to fish every day. But do you listen to the same spaces? Ever? Like, do you listen to only 95 and 99? Do you only no, listen to the No, 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 no. So that like, is my sweet spot. If I'm like looking for shows, that's what I'll do. But I will, the way I listen to fish every day is I go on Fish OD and I pull up uh, this day in fish and I'll listen to whatever shows are available for that day. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a good approach. Um, I, that's, that's, what I'm saying. that's what I do. So I'm wondering how other people kind of like, I don't know, dude, like you know, you can't picture like somebody who wakes up in the morning and like listens to the same freaking I'll tell you song what every do. day to like get them going. I mean, I go to fish, I go to fish.net. Yeah, that could net. be a different thing. I go to fish.net. Um, well, first of all, I've, I get songs that kind of float in and out of my head that get stuck. Same. And, and then I go to fish.net. Um, I go to the jam charts and I try to find like epic versions of that song. Um, and, and Yeah, and you're looking for always what you're fishing for, your right. jams. And it's it's interesting because you can't just listen to the song as a one-off. Because if, you, if you're jumping into an, a quote-unquote epic jam that registers on jam charts, I feel like you have to at least listen to the entire set to see where it started and where it evolved into and where it ended. So, so that's a, actually, that's a very valid thing to say when i first I got into so. fish no 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 it's because it's true I, I find it's also true when i first got into fish and i was like getting obsessed with a song this is like early on in my fish career i would go into different shows in different years and find that song but like you're saying now i can rarely go and just pluck a song out of a show i'll find myself listening to that whole show or the songs around what they played with the song that I'm thinking of listening to. Right. That's a very valid point. Yeah, because I mean, when we were doing our Game Henge episode, the the very minute difference between what was your favorite show and what was mine was how it worked itself into the set. Um, for you, it was the second set, I believe. I don't remember what year that was. That was the no. Mine was just that I could hear the narration most clearly. Right, and that was the that was the '94 one, I think. And then the, mine was the '93, and the '93 I liked it because of the way they weaved N2O into it, and they ended with Divided Sky. I loved that. 
Okay, so you're confusing shows. Um, uh, the one that she liked best was from West Virginia. It's affectionately known as the Game Hoist Show. It was a very undersold show at a West Virginia amphitheater, so they had a quiet audience, so they decided to do the whole first set Game Henge, and then they thought what was the weirdest thing that Fish could do for Fish would be to play an album in its entirety as it lay. So they played the entire hoist for the second set giving way to the name Game Hoist. The original show you're talking about in 93 is the Crest Theater uh, from Southern California. Um, that is my favorite of the Game Henges. It's also a really good soundboard recording. The one that you liked the best was, I believe, July 8th, 1994. Yeah. I might be misquoted on that. Specific it is 94. Date. It's I know, from yeah. Great Woods, which then became the Tweeter Center, which then became whatever. It's Mansfield. It's outside of Boston. It's a legendary venue. And it also contains the stash from a live one. Our, our producer's... This is weight in gold. His fish off gold. Off the top of my head. Too. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's. I think uh, what we're twenty four ninety four is the uh, West Virginia <laughs> show. We're I think what we're getting at is that each person finds their own uh, niche uh, with everything, and I think niche, that kind of please niche. <laughs> I think that kind of moves us into our next question. Um, there are a couple songs that exist in the fish world that I like to call the get, as Liz would say to me when I'm rambling, get to the point songs. And these are songs that start out like you really can't stand them. And by the end of them, you're hugging your friend next to you in search of glow sticks and having a blast. Can you think of any songs off the top of your head that are like that? Songs that when they begin, you're just like, fuck. And then by the end of it, you're like, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite songs, Rogue. <laughs> you don't like the way Rogue starts. I it's a slow the song is slow. Yeah. So if I'm like amped the fuck up at a show and then they pull that, like my immediate reaction's like, oh, I'm like a little bit deflated. But then like there's no better build than any song than that song. Because by the end you're like, Holy shit, this is awesome. I'm a bag it, tag it. It's called Reba. Sell it to the butcher in the store. You say you pose this questions. I thought you posed this question so you could, your answer could be backwards down the number line. It, uh, I didn't want to admit it, but yeah, you brought it up. So fine. Was, Every that time that backwards down the number line starts playing, I'm like, fuck see, these no, assholes. See, I love it. Yeah, I love fuck that these song. assholes. And then by the end of it, I'm just sitting there going, oh, my friends. God damn it. I hate backwards down the uh, number. <laughs> it's like I'm, I want to continue to hate it, but it, it's a uh, side fact that's really funny. Um, if you find the Bethel's 2011 video, which is on Live Fish, you can actually see a Five, pan. 528, 2011? There you go. You can actually see a pan right after they show from behind Trey of J3PO and I in the fifth row hanging out at the show. And I could never run for office because of this. Not that I would, but... I am uh, lighting a bowl <laughs> right in the middle of the <laughs> my feet. And I, you can see me clear as day. No, totally false. <laughs> clear you as day. really have tried to show me this video, like, I want to say like 10 times at no, this I point. No, I find myself every and time. And every time you do, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, but I, there's, no. It's there. <laughs> it's not. like a half a second it, long, it's though. It's there. No, it's literally like maybe it's like when three someone, seconds hey, long. It's like seconds. when someone's like on one, TV two, in a sporting three. event. It's like the same thing. Like the person who's in the sporting event who got recorded on TV knows Let, where they are. Let's put it this way. But. Yeah, exactly. Let's put it this way. <laughs> you are the only person okay. that's going to find those three seconds of life in that time. Be like, that's me. You're the only person that would ever think to do that, so no one else you even know is going to go into I am wearing a crusty Mets cap. 
So sort of <laughs> like you're, you're more identifiable than he is. For that one fact. Um, I just think that there are a lot of songs uh, that start off. Uh, I don't. It's just like weirder for me. Like like you're saying, it's either like a slow. I hate start this question or, because every fish song is great, and they always take you on a journey, and you have to appreciate <laughs> the entire fucking song. Yeah, but that's Suck like uh, we were talking about it last episode, uh, like or was that the After Dark episode? I don't remember. Uh, big black furry creatures from Mars. It at the beginning the dun, 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 and then, why do I kill you? I like it after it gets to the big black furry creatures from Mars. I like that that part, but that beginning part is like noise to me. But I always end up that's at the, the end point, being like, dude. yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, let's again. <laughs> that's the point of that entire song. That's the point of the entire song. Okay. To have the juxtaposition. That's why I did choose one with the horn section, just for you, kid. <laughs> horn sections get me every time Fish plays with horns. Uh, that's why uh, my favorite version of Everything's Right is actually not performed by Fish. It's performed by Trey Anastasio <laughs> Band. And that version with Trey Anastasio Band has perfect vocals because he has an amazing background section, which is his horn section and horns. So, uh, again, you attach what you attach to. One of the hardest ways, or one of the hardest. That's why this question is so like subjective. Yeah, no, but that's why it's great because you're gonna you're gonna have parts of fish songs that you don't like that are different than from what I like. And there are. You I'll think give you a every example. song that I like is cheesy? You yes. call every song that I You're like. You're an old cheesy. man fish fan at a very early age. It's incredible. It's insane. Except for most of the songs that are favorites are actually newer songs. But it's funny because I would argue that those newer songs are the 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 energy of those songs are starting to get a little more adult contemporary. Yeah, a little more hokey. That's a perfect way to put a, it. A little grateful adult daddy. contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there are parts of it that I like, you know, everything's right is a new song and I like it. Um, Petrichor is a new song and I like it, but there are aspects of those songs that I attach to. There are parts of, 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 of them that just, you know, everything's right. It's got this amazing hook in it. And when you have horns and perfect, uh, female background vocals, it's freaking awesome. Um, I wish I, or someone in the universe had, this recording of it when we were up in Maine and we got to see Tab perform in um, Industrial Way. Um, it's it's there. It's added. there. I, I just honestly, I haven't done the deep dive to go find it. Uh, deep dive? So you Google the date. <laughs> <laughs> this is why there's a producer, I guess. Listen, I, listen, not all of us had to send tapes over mail, watch the tapes cross in flight. <laughs> Couldn't even watch them. I didn't even know they had tracking numbers back then. <laughs> Okay. I hate this question. Let's do we have something else? Another topic? Fish topic? Um uh I was going to talk a little bit about Shakedown Street, but I can, I think I I don't want to rush that topic. I kind of want to give it, it I want to give it its whole word know, good amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Let's so um why don't we just, you know, get ready for our short 15 minute break. When we come that? back, we'll be doing We're going to be talking about my two favorite and when i say favorite my least favorite styles of beer czech and german style pilsners said no one ever said you guys never said me always <laughs> as that. we as we uh as we go into the break we're gonna listen to cross-eyed and painless 21697 from cologne germany 
Very nice. Very, very topical. We'll be back in 15 minutes.
You're listening to Jazz Brew. I'm Melissa. I'm the kid. And we're talking about bear. Talking about bear. Cool. So let's let's talk about what we're drinking and why. Because you kind of pitched this whole this whole thing. I was very surprised when you pitched what you wanted to drink today. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> I feel like I need to conquer this mountain that I've created for myself. Um, I hate hate pilsners. I'm sorry. Okay. It's insane. I mean, that's funny. I like American style pilsners. But you don't. I don't. You don't. Do I not? What's Budweiser? I don't know. What do you got here? It's Let's technically a light lager. Take a sip of this. Oh, lagers. Take a sip of this. So by this, uh, the Liz is talking about a Lagunita Pils. It's a Czech style Pilsner. Uh, it is Lagunitas. 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 So okay, the kid today said, "Hey, let's try some German Pilsners and Lagers. That's what I want to try. Some German Pils and Lagers." I thought that he said he wanted two different Pilsners. So Czech Pils versus German Pils. Yeah. Okay, I thought you wanted to just do some Pilsners and Lagers. No. Because you don't like the styles. No, what I was trying to get at, but I guess, you know, addendum. What I was trying to go for is that I find that most Pilsners and Lagers that I drink, I don't like. And I don't like them for a very specific reason. Both styles have a very similar aftertaste to me. And it's something that neither one of you reports tasting anytime you have a Pilsner or a Lager. So it's one of those moments where it kind of makes me feel like I'm crazy and my taste buds are just either doing something stupid or I'm being like, like I'm psyching myself out of it. Like it's a psychosomatic syndrome of me drinking a beer that I think I'm not supposed to like. So it's, it's, it's this weird uh, thing where Pilsners and lagers leave an aftertaste of, and I say it every way and J3PO makes fun of me, tastes like pennies. So when I was younger, I was the youngest. I had two older brothers. And there was this one time, I'm about five years old, and I was terrorized. My oldest brother lived in the basement of our house, and I used to have terrible ADHD, still do to this day. And I used to run around and bounce around the main floor of our house. So my brother would be like super hungover from partying. He was like, you know, 19, 20 years old and sleeping in the next day. And I'd be, you know, running down like from one end of the house to the other. So he used to come up and just be like, you fucking asshole, I'm trying to sleep. Da, da, da. So it's just like when we camp together. <laughs> Whoa, where's that going? I don't even know what that's about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I make a lot of noise. It. Yeah, yeah, I make a lot of noise. I piss people off. I can't help it. I can't sit still. So he decides to <laughs> take my, like, I don't know if it was a water bottle or a glass of water that I just had. And he didn't tell me. He dumped a bunch of pennies in it and then took the water out. And uh, so you could get the pennies out and then dumped it back into the same glass and then put it back on the counter. And I drank that water and it just, it was, they were like old, rusty, gross ass pennies. Um, and to this day, every time I drink a Czech style Pilsner or a lager, I get the same aftertaste. Okay. First of all, <laughs> we need to, yeah, we need oh, to, sorry, yeah, sorry, we need sorry. to beep, beep, beep back this truck up. We're, we're talking about Pilsners right now, right? So we wanted to do a little just differential taste test between German and Czech style Pilsners, Bohemian style Pilsners versus German style Pilsners. But I did not do the best job of picking these samples because I was shooting to get Pilsner Kell, the classic 
bohemian style czech style pilsner pilsner Kell is infamous for creating the style yeah. that people refer to it as today and i got radberger as the german style pilsner got it but they didn't have pilsner Kell at the store i went to so i had to get lagunitas czech style pills so it's and this American this style, yeah this style, style is not going to be indicative of a pilsner Kell. i really wanted you to sample kind of what the whole idea of drinking a pilsner Kell was like it's a very soft very delicate very kind of grassy, well, lightly hoppy beer. And you do get that. You get that sort of softness, the very uh, billowy, f- you know, it's a very light kind of nice. Well, let me, yeah, tell you, let me, okay, let me just okay. say, so I, I got to go on a trip to Prague and I did get to go to a place called Locale, which is in central Prague. And Locale is owned by Pilsner Arkell. And what I can say about that experience is I remember sitting down. It's a super old school looking, um, you know, uh, beer hall with the arcing, like um, <laughs> the arcing arches and like brick everywhere. And we were like eating a bunch of food. It was the first time I remember having a Czech style pills in volume. It was so fresh and so clean and so good that I had about seven of them. Okay. So, so. what did you like about it? Um, it was super easy drinking. Uh, you could pound the fudge out of it. So drink that beer. So this is the Lagunitas Czech style Pilsner. They're yeah, they're Bohemian style Pilsner. It's Czech. Czech. Sorry. It's the Czech. Sorry. Bohemia is where it is. I'm telling you, our producer's right? paying off in spades. <laughs> um, this has... Bo- the- I thought Bohemian and Czech were interchangeable. They are. You're right. I'm wrong. Sorry. <laughs> spades! <laughs> sorry. I see. I thought you were I'm winning sorry. me one. Okay, so no. Can you... So so does that... No, no, no. Is that Bohemian, recall? Yeah, yeah. No. Nothing not. of that is reminiscent. No, Why? Is it too hoppy? The, the end of it, it's, it's too... I guess you could say that's a little too yeah crisp, and the end of it has that bite to it that a lager and a pilsner have that I don't like. Does this taste like pennies to you? Yes. The Lagunitas Czech style pilsner tastes like pennies to you. Yes. The end of it is like foul. It does. It's like not good. Like I don't like it. It gets stuck on my tongue too. It doesn't like fall off. It gets and it just like my whole tongue is just covered in this taste of pennies. Well, there might be a slightly metallic touch to it. Um, <laughs> I think this beer just yeah. the yeast. He doesn't it's, like it's, the yeast. It's, it's the yeast character. He does not is like where the you're yeast. getting all these flavors. Yeah. what I'm really tasting yeah. is an, just an overabundance of probably Saz hops or some American relative of Saz that just is slightly overpowering for what you would call like if if you or I as a home brewer entered this into the Czech Pilsner style category, it'd get blasted get by dinged. judges. Yeah, you get dinged. yeah. Um, but okay, so to so be fair, it's there. it is the same yeast. It's the Czech Pilsner. And yeast. to be fair, an American style of anything typically means it's hoppier. more hoppy than the original version. You know what's this really is funny? A hoppier when I when I drink this beer, I don't. I, again, I I want to kill my brother for ruining my palate, but for some reason, because of this memory and because of this very speci- specific taste, it's like, you know, when you drink sour milk, if you've ever drank sour milk in your life, you're always scared to go to the next like glass of milk ever because you're so fearful of tasting this pungent, overpowering flavor. Like that's what happens to me. And I, again, I think it makes me extremely delicate and biased towards these. Uh, I mean, specifically we're talking about pills today, so I'll just stick to that. It just, I'm so biased. And it's like, if I even catch a hint, the very little bit, I'm just like, nope, this beer is, nope, I'm over it. Bad memory. 
makes me want to right so you just need a new uh sensory memory so take a sip of the czech style pilsner which i don't even think that is i think that's the rad burger that's that is the lagunitas okay take a sip of it swish around your mouth close your eyes Mm. think about crackers think about saltine crackers Hmm. and then swallow it it tastes like saltine crackers dipped in pennies (laughs) (laughs) oh boy I think you should try the German now. I think Yeah, try the Radeberg. You know what's really funny though, when I had the Pilsner Arkell when I had it, I honestly can't say that the the last time I had a Pilsner Arkell here. I just don't order it. Like I don't see, really see, see that's it that what often. I'm saying. Like, I'd so be really you're, interested to try that. You're but even that but that will not even compare to your experience that you had at the local place. Right. I had locale. it fresh. I had it yeah, fresh. you had it the freshest off their serving tanks and there. So lo- probably amazing. Locale brews it fresh at the location. So obviously they're owned by Pilsner Arkell, but they have a brewer in house and they they brew it there. So I had the freshest of the fresh. They tapped the tank, I remember, as we were sitting down that I ended up drinking off of. So it was like, whew. It's like <laughs> an hour fresh. I, I don't think I've ever had a beer that fresh ever. Try, um, yeah, so now, try, like, yeah, try, so this try is the, the German style poster. All right. Radeberger. I like this a lot more. It's a lot cleaner. It's, yeah, it's a lot better. I, 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 I'm okay. trying to describe why. Hold on. So do you know the distinct differences between a German style and a Czech style pilsner? I would imagine that the Germans have it so down to a science that it's cleaner because they ferment. No, I don't. Go ahead. Tell me. These styles are completely. Do you know why like, Pilsner Kell is basically the most famous pilsner? I don't. You know Again, nothing are, about this. These are styles that I don't touch. I stay away from them with a nine-foot pole. So the town of Pilsen uh-huh. uh, made this style famous because they were one of the first people to realize that soft water actually brought out the sort of like floral uh, and just very like fl- flowery notes that they used. Basically, they they were the first people to kind of throw in your face that using soft water could actually enhance the hops that are used in a beer. Interesting. Soft water means it's lower in sulfates. Yep. Correct. Lower. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I know the difference between soft and hard water in terms of having, having to pull out specific characteristics of a beer. And that's why a lot of people treat their water, but I've never known. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the higher sulfate in the German Pilsner, it, uh, like attests to a crisper, cleaner finish. So there's less, flavor imparted from the yeast and i think that's one of the things that you probably underlying factor of why you like the rataburger better than the czech style yeast you know that's super Agreed. interesting that's super interesting to me because when when i've treated my water um here in new york it's it's been specifically to pull out uh specific flavors and hops and when we do that here we're generally adding sulfates we're making it you know we're trying to pull out the, the, the gypsum yeah exactly gypsum? so um talk about that so, talk about gypsum yeah how often have you done that why do you do it what do you do it for <laughs> um specifically i did it to again enhance uh, the very first uh ipa ever made i also found out very quickly that is it that it's a very light touch 
and too much gypsum is a very bad thing. Um, the very first one I made, I did add way too much gypsum salt and you could taste the salt. Like it, it got to a point where it was just like the, any peppery notes that the hops were giving off were so accentuated that it was almost undrinkable. It was like fire. And I don't want to say like fire, like, you know, whiskey or rum gives you that like burning sensation, but the same way that whiskey and rum give you that really peppery, like stingy, like it was just, it was not good. Um, <laughs> I ended up dialing it back a little bit it, it, in specific doses. It does help to just kind of, and we were talking about this the other day. Um, it helps to give more of a classic hops, the hops that you like a lot that are very vegetal, uh, you were saying all the sea hops, Cascade, Simcoe's, and S. But those are the opposite of what I was talking about. Uh, swing and a miss. Classic, classic <laughs> As per usual. Classic sea hops are nothing but grapefruit and pine. So pine, like Centennial, like, Cascade, like the, those are the hops that I love. And now I was saying that they're using a lot more um, like New Zealand style and like very experimental hops that lend towards the more like quote unquote. It's uh, saying citrusy is a dis- is a misnomer. It's it's more like tropical fruit, like mango, grapefruit pineapple. Is one I get a lot. No, grapefruit mm. is the classic, like Cascade, Centennial, like grapefruit mm. and pine are those classic big flavors. The ones now are more like very nuanced things, like like stone fruit and like melon, and they're a lot more kind of like complex. Like the old school workhorses are like just straight grapefruit and pine that's like the notes you get from those classics so am I, am I and those wrong, are my favorites am i wrong to confuse pine with like why what am i thinking of when i think of like peppery and like i don't know you have to define that you're throwing around words that are mean, very loaded like amarillo like yeah that's what i'm saying i think i'm talking about piney to me like pine like spruce pine like i'm thinking of like pine cone chewing on a yeah pine cone like, that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I, I, this is, again, something that is so subjective to me, too, because the, the the sense of tasting something is like seeing color. Everybody has such a different palette for color. You and I think we're seeing the same shade of blue. It's one of my favorite parts of, uh, you know, I, I study psychology. So one of the, my favorite parts about that is that no one sees two things the same way. No one tastes this, the same thing two ways so when you're starting to break this down and start talking about it i feel like the only difference between me the you know an average home brewer and you the cicerone is that your vocabulary may be more uh complex than mine and you have a better way of describing stuff to me but i feel like the basics of what i'm but trying to say are still there that. no understood and i don't disagree and I, I i envy your ability to do so but i feel like the basis of what i'm trying to say is I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do you see how this is the flip of the conversation from the first set? <laughs> this is the exact opposite. Now you're the one that can't hear. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I can't hear the timbre. You got the timbre and I don't. Um, the timbre. Oh. But that's why we brew. And that's one of the reasons Simple does the the, uh, the, hop the, lager, the lager series with a different hop every time. I just kegged an El Dorado today. It's just so you can figure out exactly what you're tasting from that hop. But you still need the basic, like... 
you need the core terminology so that we know that we're on the same page. Like, right. Yeah. But I, again, it's, and I have to get better at this and I, I will definitely, um, buckle down and start the same way I'm doing the fish research. I need to get better at describing what I'm talking about instead of it tastes good or it tastes (laughs) great. Yeah. Like that just drives me insane. (laughs) I like to keep it. I mean, I know what I, I'm, I'm one of those people who just knows what I like and knows what I don't like. Knows, but you have to be able to articulate like. why. I, again, I'm not disagreeing. Um, I just have never felt <laughs> the reason to because a lot of people don't really, other, other than this podcast, I don't feel like people really go in that deep about beer. They just drink what they like. They, uh, you know, the, the conversations that they're having about it is like, oh, is this good for you? Yeah. You mean good. the yeah. average person. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So yeah, it's you're, like, I talk about like 10 times this stuff every single right. day. But now remember from the last episode, we're talking about recipe development and how I approach making a recipe. There are very specific things that I'm going for. Yes. But I'm coming at it from a very basic perspective. I'm trying to draw out very specific things of like a flavor profile. And in order to do that, I'm breaking it down into its most basic elements. And while I can agree that the more um, eclectic vocabulary that you guys are using help you discern the individual, like, you know, the one hop or the other, I would also argue, I mean, there's a, there's another brewery doing a single hop series. And one of the reasons I can't really not catch on to it, but I appreciate what simple is doing more than them is because you're doing it as a lager series. So as a lager, it is so clean and so crisp that the hop really gets to shine through the other brewery that's doing it they're basically making ipas every time with a different hop so because of the higher you know uh uh, sugar content and the malt bill that they use and the malt bill being the same they are you know kind of hiding the hop and this is other other half so (laughs) Other half is basically, you know, they, they, I mean, they have so many at this point, so many single hopped IPAs and it's not to say that they aren't good. And there are ones that I like more than others. There's Citra single hopped. I love, but I also really love Citra hops. So it's like, I, I, I think there's more value to what simple is doing because the profile is there and it's, it's like kind of just puts the hop on its own pedestal and just says, Hey, this is what's going on. But the, his the logger series is not single hopped. Correct. So you're already well, kind of leading it, into something that's not true. It's, it's and I think that you're trying to say that you think that loggers lend themselves to identifying IPA uh, hops better, and I think that's totally false. Have you had a Bell's Two Hearted Ale? Yes. Cool. They use one hop in that beer. Okay. Centennial. Do you okay. want to know what Centennial hops taste like? Go drink a Bell's Two Hearted. Okay. And just because that's an IPA doesn't mean you're not going to understand what Centennial hops taste like. I think to speak to his point, though, um, while you wouldn't think of a light lager as showcasing a hop, it doesn't necessarily... There are two hops. There's always saws and bittering. Everything is the same except for the aroma and the finishing hop are always a different hop. That's always the same hop, but it's technically a dual hop. However, I think you're exactly right. One of the things I chose, reasons I chose to do that beer was to showcase a hop, just not even for other people, but just for myself. So in the future, when I do other recipes... I, and I agree. I actually agree with you. I think the Lager series is a fantastic way to showcase a hop. I agree with you. I'm just saying that I don't think that there are certain styles that are going to teach you what hops taste like over other styles of beer. 
I think that once you identify the parameters and sort of like buzzwords for what certain hops taste like, you can kind of identify that when you taste it. Right, but I also think so. Having a lager with a centennial hop is not necessarily going to teach you more of what that hop tastes like, other than having an IPA with a centennial. I think it's really important to find a style of beer that, to you as the drinker, is neutral. Is what I'm trying to say. So if I were doing a hop series with Czech style Pilsner, it'd be wasted on me because I'd be so focused on the yeast that would never be able to appreciate the hop. So if you can find a style that is neutral to your palate, something that lets you say, you know what, this tastes similar every time I have it, the same style, but I can actually float from this hop to this hop to this hop and notice and get a discernible difference. It's like the same way that, you know, there's uh, the coffee roaster up in Maine that uh, we love. Uh, Tandem. Tandem Coffee. And on their coffee labels, they post like what notes you're supposed to get from coffee. I fucking hate coffee. So when they say it tastes like fucking blueberry and citrus, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, it tastes like fucking chalk. So I don't know that's what the fuck That's because your palate about. is so unrefined. Correct. And that's my point. You're, you're literally making my point for me. The more refined you can teach your palate and train your palate to be, the, In a more, given field. the more you can taste the flavors and things that you're supposed to be getting from the ingredients. But the use. only way you can so do I that. So I applaud you for making pilsers and log. I am like the biggest fan. I got made fun of today for saying that hoppy pilsners were my favorite style right now so but i stick to that i'm just saying like that the style dimensions don't necessarily lend to teaching you what hops taste like with the specific players i think what you're just saying is that it maybe is uh what somebody likes to drink is what they should try to drink and experiment with hops in that degree i also think you're kind of like whitewashing lagers and pilsners and saying that they don't have any flavor and that's totally false no i'm not (laughs) i'm not i'm just saying that there are certain styles that poke themselves out more to me than others and in simply saying that i can say that is gibberish go ahead what do you what do you mean by that (laughs) it doesn't matter agree to disagree no certain styles poke themselves out to you so would you would rather taste um an ipa series an individual single hop ipa series in what using a lager base is what you're trying to say I am saying that there are certain types of people who would be able to use a lager base as J3PO is doing in order to figure out what hops he wants to drink in the same way that I've been using pale ales and IPAs to do the same thing. Sure, yeah, exactly. And the reason I'm able to do that is because there is no imparting flavor on the yeast for me. The grain bill I have so dialed in, I know exactly what I'm getting out of that in terms of how it tastes. So the hops become the forefront. The hops become the thing that I am now able to train myself on. Now, while I can't say that one hop tastes like... uh, citrus or one tastes like grapefruit or one tastes like uh pine cones one tastes one tastes like hibiscus taints like, <laughs> i had some hops one does like string cheese <laughs> <laughs> yeah string I've, I've had one that tastes like blue cheese like again i i can use identifying uh characteristics but the problem is is that it the average home brewer the average drinker doesn't have cicerone's vocabulary so what are they left to do I, as the average person who is not the trained Cicerone that you are, what is my option? Read. At that point. I could read. And, you know, some people could. That's the answer. Education. Educate yourself. 
train your palate. Also, right, I, but you can't train your palate by just reading. You have to that's taste. That's totally it. false. It's a tangible. Yeah, no, no, yeah, thing. but so you read about what you're supposed to taste, and then you taste a bunch of them. See, I I would say that for me the one of the most enriching experiences of my life was going to the place that makes the beer, tasting it fresh, trying it locally, and having it in such a way that you're like, wait a second, even the Pilsner Arkell that I drink here in the States is different. The Guinness that I've had in Ireland is different than you're I've had here. You're 100% right. And like, so what I'm saying is, is nothing that like, will ever beat that. So, and that is why I think I am such a proponent of having not these huge breweries open up multiple locations. I want the reverse. I want everyone to taste beer that that they have to travel to the place to taste beer. That's the way it is in Europe. Yeah, I mean, kind of. You don't of. have access to a ton of shit in one place. Kind you have of. to travel to all these little different cities and 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 taste the beer that they are known for. Yeah, but I, I mean, this this I, I can't wait till. So the Liza is actually going to England. Uh, she will be there for almost a week, and she's gonna come back, and we're gonna talk all about. Uh, beer from the uk you're i hope gonna send us some beer back so we can taste it here on the podcast yeah but i have a whole show planned <laughs> our producer's already on it um you are going to have a very interesting perspective now that you've gone somewhere else tasted the source of something and and be able to just not only confirm what you already believe but there's a difference to i mean I, 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 I've had this conversation many times with many people. I think a beer tastes different two weeks after it's been released. I truly do. I've had beer fresh off the line. I've had it a week after that. I've had it a week after that. I've had it a week after that. And it morphs into different things. So if I'm truly as the person creating the product, trying to understand the ingredients at their core value, the only way I could do that is by, again, picking a base of something that I can tolerate where I can pick up the minute differences and really start training my palate. But that's going to be different for each person. The same way that people see colors differently, people are going to attribute and have a different neutral state. And that's what I'm trying to I'm say. I'm not disputing that, but when you say red, people know what you're talking about. There is a general... Uh, consensus for what red looks like to and, you in your eyes. And my <laughs> my point to you is that your red is a sharp, I don't even know what a shade of red is, chartreuse, like the fire engine red. To me, it's just red. And that's what I'm saying. The vocabulary is different. While you might Semantics. have- it's not semantics, though, because that's what that's what you're trained to do as a Cicerone. You're trained to find the individual characteristics from hop to hop and from style to style, from yeast to yeast. You have to be able to pick that apart under a microscope, and that's how they train you to be. And any person, even J3PO, who's been to UC Davis, like you, you guys have had training in understanding the minutia that is the creation of beer, where I'm coming at it from a very you know homebrew basic spot so the way that i'm going to explore and discover that and the vocabulary that i'm going to use is going to be basic it's like someone teaching themselves spanish they're not going to read don quixote after a year of teaching themselves spanish they're going to freaking you know watch barney and friends and figure it out from there like it's just a different approach but i think you can get at the same destination no i agree with same... you but the conversations that i have with people about beer are like not Barney level conversations. I'm sure they can be. And if you want to educate yourself a little bit more, you 
you should start reading well, and this trying. This brings me to a more. point that I would like to chime in on a little bit. Uh, we talk about, um, you guys talk about how uh, your new fish listeners, when you're coming to the table talking about fish, and I would argue that um, the kid is the youngest in beer years. Uh, of the three of us. Of, of the three of us. So um, there might be a little lag, or he's he's newer, you know, in the same way that we were talking about in the first stanza, you're like, I don't know what timbre is. Here's how we explain it to you. Let's use some basic vocabularies, like the word timbre. So this is the same conversation we had in the first set, just in reverse, which I find incredibly endearing. <laughs> endearing. So how how would you describe to him how, would how you're supposed to taste to the differences between a Czech-style Pilsner and a German-style Pilsner? Um, ignore the pennies. Think about the mouthfeel and think about why is one sharper and crispier than the other, even though they're both pretty crisp. But like, then think about how it is in your mouth. And then when you swallow, what do you taste? Uh, you get m- much more fruity esters from the Czech Pilsner than you're going to get from the so German Pilsner. I, I will propose something. Random I, like I, I think this needs to be an episode. So first, we need an episode with Czech-style Pilsners next to German-style Pilsners. That's number one. Number two, I think what we need to do is have the two of you walk me through a, you know, I'm not, I don't want to call myself a complete novice. Like, you know, I've drank a You're bunch of beer. You're not a novice. No one's but, trying to say uh, that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I wanna, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. But I, I want you to walk me through as if we were walking uh, the Lizza through Tambor the way I should approach attempting to drink a beer because when i drink a beer like you said i don't swish it amount in my mouth i don't take the time to do that what is the process by which a person who's really trying to get the ins and the outs and the intricacies and i think we should do that i think we should you know grab a couple classic styles we can you know not just do uh czech style pills and german style pills we can you know pull i would actually uh pontificate that we could work our way through the gamut of classic styles yeah even as listed in the greatest book ever Zanishev brewing, brewing classic, classic styles, styles. <laughs> which is Mal Jam- Jamal Jamil Zanishev. Yeah, that's how you say his name. <laughs> I listen to a lot of his podcasts. So, I know. <laughs> so we should do. We should. By the way, that, Randy uh, Mosier wants to shoot you in the face with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so here, so here's my thing, though, right? Do you, J three PO? Do you think it's better to blind taste someone? on a Radeberger and a Pilsner Kill and ask them what they think is the difference or do you think it's better to tell them what the difference, the detectable difference should be and then see if they can identify that? Are you polluting their mind before even getting the style? I would actually say, and I'm going to say the opposite of what I think you're about to say, which I think you should tell them at first and then after a while, You'll be ready for. You got to get somebody ready for competition. You don't just throw someone out there and be like, "Do karate." Like, no, you train. You <laughs> well, know? unless you're a kid from Los Angeles who just moved there from Long Island and you know need to beat this kid up because him and all his friends beat you up. Yeah, Fresno. He wants to go back to Jersey. I know. Uh, <laughs> do you see the Cobra Kai spinoff series that's coming out? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That's yes. not. That's not. And say we did. Um. <laughs> Who's directing it? Michael Hurwitz. Do you know what else he directed? Arrested Development. Uh-huh. It's That's why be, it looks so terrible. It's going to be funny. No. God. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. All right. Different. Uh, so, again, so I think... So can we the just same like, taste in television like, as you do beer. You don't like, like anything like, anyone likes. <laughs> <laughs> so what I think can we, we should do... Can we just, do, like, bring this home, though, right now? Yeah. And, and kind of... 
explain to our listeners what the different the perceived differences between a Czech style and a German style pilsner. Well, no, because be. we don't have any German style pilsner here today. What I would like oh, to I do, I think we already did it. It's the sulfate content in the water, and it's the fruity character of the yeast. The Germans are definitely crisper. The Czech ones are uh, a little bit more out there. It's way more Saz hops. Like the Germans would never use a Saz hop. So there you go. Boom. Thank um, you. I just wanted you to say So that. again, to the person who doesn't touch this style with a nine foot pole, you guys are speaking <laughs> Japanese to me. So what I think we should do also <laughs> going, also going, <laughs> what, what I also think we should do going forward is um, each episode, we should make it a point to have a tiny little segment where the two of you teach me something about a new style of beer that I probably have never touched before. It's already built into the next show. (laughs) There we go. We're going to start making that a thing. Let's start expanding my basic knowledge of describing beer and giving myself a more Cicerone or trained UC Davis palate. I think that's a, a good place to go. And I think that would be great for listeners um, and we can, we, we, J3PO and I can talk about, you know, what we would do in terms of brewing that style, what comes off the top of our heads in terms of thinking about that stuff. I think we can really start fleshing this out. And again, I can start approaching it from a cre- like the creative side of it. Like if I, as a home brewer, use my instincts to develop that and you guys have the technical aspect, I think we can attack this from two sides and make me a not five-year-old about beer, but uh, maybe a 10-year-old, maybe. In 10 shows. I want you to make a Czech Pilsner, and we're going to call it Pennies from Heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite Steve Martin movies. It's also a Dave Brubeck song. <laughs> I think it just made the playlist. <laughs> nice. Done. All right. Well, wait. Before we go, I have a few ancillary questions for uh, Liz. Oof. You're going okay. to England tomorrow. The Lizza. Going this to Manchester. Gonna, yeah, this is going to preview our next show. It's going to yeah. be all about British beers and some other things. But uh, just say a little bit about your trip, why you're going, what you're doing. Give me a little Yeah, okay. Little so preview. I will, I will um, be flying into Manchester uh, tomorrow evening. Um, I am going to York, actually, is the point of this trip, to kind of tour and learn about Sam Smith. Uh, and that brewery, which has been around forever, I honestly don't even want to say. Tasting for next yeah, 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 I don't want to say. Yorkshire's oldest brewery, C- correct, correct? Stone Vats. Yeah, um, I am most excited. So this is my first trip abroad, and I am most excited to kind of understand the vibe of like how beer fits into another culture it's outside weird. of ours. It's so weird. Can I ask a couple so follow up questions? Yeah. Uh, do you like British beer? I do. I love cask beer. I'm I'm right. so looking forward to tasting cask beer. An actual I, that's cask kind of all I want to drink. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. they let you. Can you explain what a cask beer is to <laughs> the kid or anybody that the might kid, not know? The kid knows what a cask beer is. Been to freaking Germany. <laughs> it's really from England, but yeah, uh, yeah. But they have it there. They have hemp pump beer. I love it. Room temperature. So Go ahead, sorry. So so cask beer it. is like beer that they put into a wooden sort of barrel type vessel and i think that they put it in there before it's like technically ready to drink right so they ship it to you and then the whole thing is you're supposed to keep it in your cellar and then as soon as you start to see kind of like the the yeast bubbling up out of the bunghole then you know it's kind of like ready to go 
But it's, so essentially, Caspier is like an un non carbonated version of what's their, naturally, naturally naturally carbonated, yeah. which is under carbonated to. And that's why they hand ilk. pump it, and when it hits your glass, like the actual agitation of it pouring into your glass, is supposed to give it that last little uh to make it simulate. You know, it's not simulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right so yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> it's the same thing with like a Spanish cider, right? Correct. A still correct. Spanish when cider. Pour when you pour it from really really high. Correct. It's quote unquote simulates having carbonation in your glass, but it's not the same thing. It's not but they, it's not but they really have cast yeah. engines. Technically, a lot of times they're lower, and you pump it up right. You out. pump it, yeah. Right. So and it, cast it travels engine. through a brass like little spigot, and the spigot does like a little dip flow, and that little cast dip engine. flow, like yeah, yep, helps to like give it that last little pew <laughs> into your glass. Doesn't so they actually put a stone in the cer- the cask engine though, right? And it Definitely oxygenates. So. It yeah. goes. Yeah. It's like an oxygen burst Air or an oxygen yeah, stone yeah. or some. Yeah. yeah. I I just I really like They're British beers. I've always have like I I find the whole like kind of mild and non-offensive and very just like i can have 10 of these in a pub type thing to be very appealing and that's what i'm saying i can't wait to go over and experience another culture and how people kind of model their life around beer there because i think it's very different than how we do it here the brits took their cascales so seriously that they formed a political campaign called camera campaign for real ale so that and Michael Jackson spearheaded it, and it's not the Michael <laughs> Jackson the kid is thinking of right no, now. No, no, no. It's the dude um, who wrote the book. There's, he's they're written both a beer dead. book. They're yeah, both dead. yeah, they're both dead. Yeah, he's written some of the most famous beer books of all time. I and have one spirits of his books. books. Yeah, um, believe it or not, I have a funny Michael Jackson story. We could probably tell that for another day. But um, he and uh, some constituents got through legislation through Parliament in Britain that every pub that is called an actual traditional British pub has to have at least one real ale on cask at all times. Yeah, that's great. That's what I'm saying. That's what it should be. He was sick of Budweiser. Yeah, you got to bring us back some, uh, we got to bring us back at least three ceramic glasses because I serve them in ceramic glasses. It's great. No, I'm good on that. I don't think, does anyone actually serve in ceramic glasses anymore? They did when I I was in uh, Germany and in Prague. Both places. Those if it was cast, and this is a different. Country. No, 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 no. I'm no, going no. to Manchester. Because the cast beer, it's the the, con, the never mind. Different <laughs> podcast. Different podcast. I'll talk about ceramic <laughs> ceramic classes. Different podcast. Finally, <laughs> besides beer, what are you looking most forward to about England? Ooh, that's a very good question. People just being generally nice to me. <laughs> that will be a thing. That's everywhere when you're not in New York. Not City. that British people aren't actually nice, but that they're very like. <laughs> reserved and kind of polite and everyone is very like understated that's what i'm looking forward to about going to everything is understated but the teeth (laughs) (laughs) that's a stereotype and a half british people do have bad teeth sorry i'm a comedian (laughs) comedian (laughs) jesus Uh, okay okay i apologize to the entire uk no what are we uh what are we um taking us out what are you going out with some more prague Czech Republic 7698 ACDC bag into Ghost. And this sets up some of the musical choices for our next show uh, or one of the topics I have, which is Ghost, pre-98 and post-98. Which one's cooler? 7698. All right. Well, this has been one of my favorite episodes so far. I feel like I, I played a lot of defense this episode. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm really excited to start gaining this knowledge that I've always been so envious of you both having. We'll uh, train you up. Um, I feel like 
part of that is because I come at beer the same way I come at fish. I like to experience it fresh. And you guys are about to expose to me something very new. Um, and I'm excited. I'm always excited. Uh, so thank you all for being with us. I am the kid. And I am Eliza, and you've been listening to God and Jabril. A big shout out to J3PO for doing such a good job producing. Yes, thank you. Let's see you guys next time. Bye.